1: steeler fans here we go it is week three and the pittsburgh steelers are getting ready for another home game hopefully it's better than last week's home opener against the las vegas raiders this time an old ugly friend comes to town in the form of the cincinnati bengals who day my name is brian anthony davis thanks for joining us on the pregame show as always my good buddy the coach, KT Smith, is with us. How are you, Kevin?
0: Hey, Brian. What's happening, man? I, uh, I love your description, uh, an ugly an ugly old uh, foe coming to town because <laughs> I really, I was watching some of the Thursday night game, and I was looking at Carolina's uniforms, and I was thinking, man, I really like Carolina's uniforms. They're sharp. And then whenever I always think of the opposite end of that spectrum, I immediately think of the Bengals' uniforms. They're just some bad uniforms.
1: Now you and I were kids in 1981 when they switched those uniforms over. And I actually like the old Bengals uniforms with the, uh, the printed Bengal on the helmet and no stripe whatsoever. I kind of like those uniforms. I really like the old Ken Anderson uniforms before they went to the stripes in 81 and they've been doing it for 40 years now. So, I mean, it is their identity. I would say the white uniforms that they are wearing on the road, don't have any orange in them. The only orange is on the helmet. And I kind of like these a lot better. But when they wear the black and orange and the stripes, I, I hate it. I've always hated that combination together. I don't know why, Kevin.
0: Well, they should keep wearing them because they've been pretty bad ever since they went to them. So I, I'm, I'm all for uh, them upholding a tradition of, uh, of, of being pretty terrible. That's
1: that's very true. Unless they had a year that the uh, San Francisco 49ers were going to beat them in the Super Bowl. Uh, they weren't doing much of anything. And, you know, really, orange kind of fits them when they wear the all-orange jerseys because they really, some of those guys should be in prison jumpsuits, if you ask me, uh, especially <laughs> back in the Vontez perfect days, the Pac-Man Jones. Uh, you know, gosh, I-, I could go on and on and on, but we won't. We're talking about the 2021 Bengals, and they're a very interesting team. But first, I want to talk about the Raiders and not the Las Vegas Raiders I want to talk about the Red Raiders
0: how's the team my man uh still riding that undefeated uh wave Brian 4-0 we won 35-6 to last week uh very disappointed man we gave up some points for the first time all year with under a minute to play uh, so uh you know you, you get that whole uh putting the putting the backups in and trying to keep them out of, out of the end zone. So I I run that Mike, Mike Tomlin line by all the time. You know, the standard is the standard, man. The second group goes in and we got to try to uphold, uh, you know, the standard that the first group set. But, uh, yeah, they got one in on us in the last minute. So, uh, but, you know, that's all small. That's all, you know, details, man. It's, it's, it's nice to, uh, to keep winning.
1: You know what, bad dad, my uh, my father used to say, if that's the worst thing that happens, it's going to be a great week. So it looks like it's a great week there at Ocean City.
0: Yeah, pretty cool. We're playing a tough team this week. They're, they got a good running back kids going to Navy to play at Navy, so that'll be that'll be a nice challenge. So, you know, every week, man, with 16-, 17-, 18-year-olds, you never know what you're going to get week to week. I, mean, I don't know, maybe the same is true of the pros, because the Steelers look like world beaters in week one and uh, and look like bottom dwellers dwellers last week.
1: Well, we are definitely going to keep abreast of uh, the uh, the entire season as you go along. And one of the reasons that it's so great to have you on the show is because it's a coach's perspective. And, you know, you have a talking head like me that goes by the eye test. Your eye test is so much different because different because you're not worried about that letter. You're worried about different letters, and it's X's and O's. And you bring a great perspective to the game for being a high school coach, a championship Award-winning high school coach, and if I'm not mistaken, a Pee Wee coach.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm double dipping right now, coaching my my eight-year-old in Pee Wee football while I'm coaching uh, the high school team. So, uh, I told I told Brian uh, before the show started when we were just chatting that uh, it's a very very different experience. It's more like herding cats than it is uh, <laughs> like coaching football. So, <laughs> have you ever won a title at the Pee Wee level? This is this is my first year ever coaching Pee Wee football. No. So. Uh, I, I, on the first day, uh, I told him to line up in certain formations and uh, like nine kids went over in a clump and two kids like just hit each other for no reason whatsoever. And I realized that it was a totally different ball game at that point.
1: Well, I'm going to give you some homework because my absolute favorite show right now, and I can't wait just in a couple hours, the uh, I believe it's the season finale. It's Ted Lasso is going to be on. And I don't know if you've had a chance to watch Ted Lasso, but I talk about it all the time. And they have a player that had just retired. He's a legend named Roy Kent. And next thing you know, he is coaching his niece's eight-year-old English grade school team, and it's really funny because everything—how he's chewing them out and cussing at them—I I would not expect that with you, but uh, I would love to see your perspective on that. And it's also a football coach going to coach English Premier League soccer. So if you
0: haven't checked that out, Kevin, you got to. Yeah, I hear great things about it. all my all my buddies are raving about that. But uh, I mean, coaching Pee Wee football is unintentional comedy. You know, you just, uh, you know, if you could, if you could sort of harness that into sitcom form, it would be tremendous.
1: Absolutely, and you know what else is funny? The way the Pittsburgh Steelers have treated the Cincinnati Bengals a good bit in the last ten years. But what was not comedy whatsoever was the last game that they played on December twenty first. Winter had come for the Pittsburgh Steelers on that day and it was a really ugly day as Ryan Finley and the Bengals took apart the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was not Joe Burrow because they ended his season maybe about six weeks earlier. So with that being said, this is going to be an interesting game and if you get a chance to check out a show that just aired for the first time last night and it is streaming on any of your BTSC platforms and any of the BTSC family of podcasts that you download. If you check it out there, it's Tony Defio's show. It's called Friday night, six pack with Tony. And the thing about that is the title of the show this week. And it's, it's a really good show. So definitely give it a listen. And it's the Bengals might not be the get right team that we all think they are. And that's my question for you. As we get started here, talking about this game, Kevin. Bengals have been patsies for a long time, but that's a different Bengals team. Would you agree?
0: Well, I mean, they, they certainly look like a different Bengals team the first week of the season. I mean, they played they played really well, and Joe Burrow was sharp. He didn't look like he had any effects of a, of the injury from last year that ended the season early, uh, he threw the ball great. I mean, he was like 20 out of 27 for like 260 something yards. He averaged average, almost not almost 10 yards of pass attempt. Um, they, you know, but then last week, uh, I don't want to say they look like the same old Bengals, but they really struggled. You know, they, they just were disjointed. I mean, the, they couldn't push the ball down the field. Um, Burrow got sacked four times and hit like 12 times. Um, uh, so, you know, I don't know which, which team are they going, are they going to be? It's just, uh, I think it's, it's, an, it's young, it's early in the season and, you know, I, I, the Steelers have a similar narrative. So I don't think either one of these teams have yet to find themselves. You know, I, I think, I think there's some worry among Steelers fans because last, the first week looked like the team we, we hoped the Steelers could be and last week looked like the team that we feared they would be. And so this is a big week in terms of answering the question, you know, all right, well, which one is, is the reality, you know? And I think similar things are true with the Bengals, you know, when you say, Hey, the Bengals are an improved team. You look at week one and you go, yeah, absolutely. But then you look at last week. I mean, they're losing 20 to three to the bears with five minutes to go. Uh, They had to score twice in the last couple of minutes just to make it respectable. And that's not a very good bears team. So Yeah, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see on Sunday, you know, which which on both sides of the ball, which team emerges. So let's look at the
1: stats. And usually here at this point of the show, we do the rankings, but we've only had two weeks. So it's really tough to to really say where the rankings lie and how good a team is. So I think more important are the numbers that each team are putting up and it's all there. Let's start with the Steelers on offense. Now, on offense, the Steelers have 583 total yards, which means they're averaging 291.5 yards per game. Now, we've talked about how poorly that the team has been struggling running the football, and they're only getting 57 yards a game on the ground which is absolutely pathetic for a team that runs the ball so well passing the ball they're doing a little bit better if you look at that the Steelers have 234 yards per game through the air and then points per game 20 points a game it's what they're averaging so far through two games now These are pretty similar totals because we're talking about how much of a difference that it's going to make with the Steelers having a bad run game and the Bengals having a pretty good passing game with three really exciting receivers, but T Higgins did not practice the last couple of days whatsoever. So that takes an offensive weapon away from them, but total yards, it's not that much of a difference where the Steelers have the 291, the Bengals have 307 per game. Passing the ball, the Steelers get the advantage there at 198 for the Bengals. Running the ball, the Bengals are almost doubling the Steelers up at 109 versus that 57. And points per game, they are only averaging 22. So if you look at that, you're thinking, okay, wow, they're really close, but the Bengals have a two-point advantage. Let's go to the defense in points per game where the Steelers are only giving up an average of 21 per game. The Bengals are giving up an average of 22. So they are really close there. As far as total defense, well, the Steelers, I'm I'm gonna bring up the ranking here because I thought it was gonna be a whole heck of a lot worse. The Steelers are giving up 398 yards per game which means they rank 22nd the Bengals are only giving up 304.5 but that's kind of a no-name defense there's not a lot of guys that you're talking about in the pass rush is not what it was before running the balls the Steelers are a whole lot better Well, not a whole lot better, but the Steelers are doing really well. 84.5 is all they're giving up on the ground per game. The Bengals giving up 95. That's still close enough. Passing yards, that's where the Steelers are really struggling at 313.5. The Bengals are only giving up 209.5, but they're up against a team that throws the ball for 234 yards per game. Something's going to break there. And the Bengals, once again, are giving up 22 point zero so some of them there's a big disparity kevin others they're pretty close on paper would you say that these two teams are a lot closer than you would think
0: it's really hard to say last week's such a difficult uh game to judge for the steelers especially on defense given the fact that they played the majority of the game with you know four starters out five if you if you count stefan to it uh who they knew that they would be without but you know they lost they lost Devin Bush and Joe Hayden late in the week in practice. So they didn't have a, they didn't have a lot of time to, to prepare. And then, you know, to lose, uh, you know, TJ Watt and Tyson Alu-Alo during the game. I mean, they were really sort of trying to, you know, kind of plug the dike you know, as the leaks you know sprang up. And that's, that's, that's one, I don't want to say it's excusable or understandable, but, um, it's one it's one scenario to be uh you know give up a lot of yards when you're in that reality and it's another when you've had all week to plan you know you know your substitutions you know your personnel etc so so this week I think will be a lot more telling I mean my hat's off to Derek Carr I thought he played great last week I mean he he was as accurate as could possibly be he was on the money. but the, at the same time, again, man, he was going at a Steelers defense that that was—I don't want to say they're making it up as they go along—but in many ways, man, they're just plugging guys in, to hoping to survive. So this will be a different challenge because the Steelers will have game-planned all week with pretty much the knowledge of who they're going to play. Um, so yeah, I, I don't—I don't know how to read it yet. You know, I, I just really don't know—don't know where the Steelers are defensively. Um, are they, are they the team that really looks so dominant in week one against Buffalo or are they the team that's kind of scrambled around in last week against, against Vegas, they faced two totally different offenses. The, you know, the bills were spread the Steelers out, used three and four wide receiver packages went empty a ton. Um, and then, you know, Vegas kind of lives out of 11, 12, 13, 21 heavier personnel groups. So uh, they're going to see a little bit more just traditional 11 personnel this week from the Bengals. The Bengals are one of the highest frequency 11 personnel teams in the league. And I think that probably plays a little more to the Steelers strengths because they'll use their nickel packages and their sub packages more. And that's where they had success with Buffalo.
1: Well, I'm so glad you said that because. My gut says that the Pittsburgh Steelers that played the Buffalo Bills again, I know they once again, you said that there's a lot of disparity between the two defense, the two offenses. And I definitely get that. I would think that the true Steelers on defense are who we saw against Buffalo, but that's just what my gut's saying. And I definitely agree with you because when you look at it, you'd have no chance on Friday to make any changes. And then, so right away, they were winging it with two guys missing. Then in the first quarter, or very early in the second quarter, now you have two more stud defenders gone, and that changes everything. So my question here is about T.J. Watt. I know that Joe Hayden makes a huge difference being missing, but T.J. Watt and that rotation that rotation is set up with those three guys and the other two guys being Alex Highsmith and Melvin Ingram, the third. So what I'm asking you here is when you take one guy out of that rotation, does that change up everything that you're doing on defense between those two? Because those two are trying to do so much more.
0: When you take Watt out of the rotation, it changes things significantly had had they lost Ingram or Highsmith the other player could have come in uh and taken those reps without the Steelers having to change much because you know Watt is one kind of a player Ingram and Highsmith are are similar players um and you can't you can't replace what Watt does I mean he's a unique individual I mean he's got a repertoire of pass rush moves that forces other uh, opposing offenses to have to account for him on every single play. So they're either sliding protection to him or they're leaving a back end to help chip on him. But very rarely are they just saying, hey, we're going to let our tackle uh, go one on one with him all game long. Uh, Whereas on the other side, you know, when you have Ingram and Highsmith uh, playing opposite of Watt, kind of similar players they're complementary players to what excellent football players i'm not i'm not taking anything away from them but but at the same time they're bigger they're thicker they're a little bit slower um the, you know op- opposing offenses are a little bit more willing to allow their lineman to go one-on-one against those guys so you know Watt's the guy that makes their job easier because he draws so much attention now you take Watt out of the equation and offenses don't really have to Worried quite as much as uh, uh, about the pressure that they're going to get. They can single up a little bit more. They can get an extra receiver out into their route, Pat, into their uh, route concept. So, yeah, I think it makes a big difference. Again, man, I'm not taking anything away from Ingram or Highsmith. I think they're both excellent players. But in that rotation, TJ is clearly number one. And those two guys are, you know, 2A and 2B or 2 and 3, however you want to slot them. And so when you lose number one, man, it hurts, no doubt. All right, so we
1: need to take a look at the Cincinnati Bengals as they roll into town. Uh, actually, with the advantage of the, the last time that they played, they have the advantage over the Steelers. So we're going to take a look at who to watch on offense and defense and who you lose sleep over on both of those teams right when we get back here on Behind the Steel Curtains. Here we go, the Steelers pregame show. Woo! Welcome back to the Steelers pregame show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Kevin T. Smith is along with us as well. Coach Smith, we're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals and we're talking about a more high powered offense. I don't think that the Cincinnati Bengals front office did the Bengals or Joe Burrow any favors by waiting to get an offensive lineman and not getting one early and waiting to pick a guy like Jackson Carmen in the second round so let's talk about the most important Bengal on that field on offense and who should the Steelers lose sleep over I'm talking about Mr. Keith Butler Terrell Austin and the entire defense coming up this week when the Bengals come to Heinz Field
0: well you know you're right they didn't do him any favors he's been sacked nine times too uh, in two games so for a guy coming off of a nasty knee injury Uh, he's getting hit way more than they want him to get hit. And that really affected their strategy last week. Burr looked great in week one, but he got sacked five times and he got hurried a bunch of other times. So in week two against Chicago, they went to a real heavy short passing game. Uh, I posted something in the article that I I wrote for BTSC that ran on the site today that showed his hit chart and uh, of the, um, of the 29, I believe throws that he made against the Bears, um, you know, 24 of those were in the uh, in the short and intermediate range. I mean, he wasn't pushing the ball down the field. He still got sacked four times. So um, even even the quick release and getting the ball out of his hands fast was not keeping defenders out of his face. So that's the challenge for Cincinnati. He's their most important player. There's no question about that. Uh, how are they going to protect him? So will they have to make adjustments by keeping the back end? Will they get out of their five wide receiver package? I mean, Cincinnati's been in the five wide package more than any team in the NFL this year. They love it. Burrow loves it. He ran a ton of it at LSU. I read an interview this week where he talked about how comfortable he is in it, even when he's got pressure in his face, because he said that he believes when you go five wides, that there's always a matchup advantage that you can find uh, and that, you know, it's, it's on him to get the ball out. But if his offensive line isn't given him any time uh, then, you know, he, the, the offense becomes really predictable. Those routes become really predictable because they don't have time to develop uh, on the similarly uh, Joe Mixon, their running back has the worst uh, yards per carry average in the league against light boxes, meaning when defenses only put five or six in the box. Um, Mixon's got the worst yards per carry average in the league against, against those lighter boxes, which tells you the Bengals aren't winning a lot of one-on-one matchups in the trenches. So it'll be very interesting to see how the Steelers take all that. You know, when, when the Bengals go four wide with Mixon in the backfield, Will the Steelers blitz? Will they fall back into coverage because they're not really worried about the run game uh, because Mixon hasn't been real effective in those situations? When the Bengals go five wide, are the Steelers coming after Burrow, knowing that you know he's gotten a ton of pressure? So if you're Cincinnati, this is all the stuff that you have to solve. And if you're Pittsburgh, this is where this is what you have to strategize for. You know what? How are you attacking their four and five wide sets? Because because it, it seems like that's really what they want to do.
1: All right. So we've talked about Joe Burrow and that, you know, what could be a very explosive offense, but let's talk about the defense. They don't seem to have the same faces that they had. I know Mike Hilton is new, but he comes over from the Steelers. So we're very familiar with what he does. He already had a, uh, you know, a big turnover. I believe it was a touchdown from a turnover. If I'm not mistaken in week one, against the minnesota vikings but the guys like geno atkins and your your carlos dunlaps and those guys from the past they're not a factor anymore those guys aren't around
0: who do we look at on this defense because it seems like this is an offensive heavy team yeah the, the, you know the irony is they're playing better on defense i mean they're, they're playing really well in defense right now i mean they're they've got six sacks They've generated all their sacks from their defensive line, which means that they're getting pressure with with four and not having to blitz. You know, um, their, their safeties I really like, man. Jesse Bates and Bomb Bell. I think that those are two really, really good football players. When you look at the Steelers and what the trend against the Steelers in in over the last 10 games or so has been to crowd the box, you know, bring the safeties down low. Uh, let them be aggressive defending the run and try to lock the Steelers down on the outside with their corners and play some kind of press coverage. If that's what Cincinnati's going to do, then the Steelers have to be able to do a couple of things. One, they got to take advantage of when when Mike Hilton's on the field, they got to go after him because we all know he's a great blitzer. He's a great run defender. He's not the greatest guy in coverage. If you can get Juju in the slot matched up against Hilton, you got a big physical receiver in Juju. You got a smaller defender who doesn't excel in man coverage in Hilton. Um, then the Steelers got to be able to take advantage of that matchup, and uh, if it's a one-on-one situation, and if Cincinnati leaves their safeties high, they got to run the ball, man. I mean, if if they can't run the ball against a six-man box with the safeties high out of their eleven personnel group, then the offense is just gonna it's just gonna be a struggle all year long. You know, last week it was the the thing I think it was the most discouraging in that Vegas game was that Vegas played a ton of zone and, uh, and they didn't exactly crowd the box and Steelers still couldn't run the football. So, you know, I think there's things that, that uh, Matt Canada can do. Uh, More play action would help this offense so much. The Steelers have used play action on four plays, four plays. That's it in their first two games. Uh, And I think that we all kind of thought like, Hey man, this is a Canada offense. There's going to be a ton of play action. I don't know if that's a Canada thing. I don't know if that's a Ben Roethlisberger thing. But, uh, but play action, if, if Cincinnati brings the safeties low, we got to play action them and try to get over the top. If they lead those safeties up high, we got to be able to run the football against those lighter boxes. Uh, I mean, to me, that's the recipe for success for the Steelers against Cincinnati's defense.
1: So who's the guy for the Steelers that really needs to show up and needs to give them fits? Actually, one of the guys that I said this week with Deontay Johnson out is Juju Smith-Schuster. I like what he's doing this year, but who's really the guy that, if you're the defensive coordinator for the Cincy Bengals, who are you sweating?
0: Well, I mean, I don't know if they've got a guy that can really lock down Chase Claypool. I would be rare if, if, if their plan is to, is to go press man, like a lot of teams have done, um, who do they put on, you know, is Trey Wayne's that guy? I mean, Trey Wayne's not a big dude. He's a good cover corner, but he's not a big guy. Um, you know, they got Eli Apple, uh, who has bounced around the league now. And it's never really, you know, kind of lived up to, I think what people thought he might be. So, um, Claypool and Ro- and Ben Roethlisberger were were just missing last week. I mean, there was they uh, Roethlisberger hit Claypool for a big fifty two yard gain uh, on one play last week, but he just just missed them on a couple others where he had him. Claypool had good good body position on on vertical routes, and and Ben really kind of missed them outside on a few different throws. I think if the Steelers get those one on one matchups, they're going to come back to those deep balls, but the the What I really want to see the Steelers do is get the tight end game going. Uh, I I just don't feel like they've taken advantage of the middle of the field. I mean, I think there's some reasons for that. Routes to the middle of the field, whether they're seam routes, crossing routes, dig routes, whatever. They just take a little more time to develop. And, uh, you know, I mean, Steelers want to get the ball out of Roethlisberger's hands. They haven't been great in pass protection just with their front. And he's wanted to get the ball out quickly so he doesn't get hit. So maybe that's the reason why they haven't taken advantage of the tight end game or, or or throwing the ball in the middle of the field. But I think that's an area that they need to exploit, uh, especially if Cincinnati drops their safeties down low. So we'll see. You know, I mean, deep balls to clay pull on the outside, attacking the middle of the field with the tight ends, those are some things I'd look for.
1: And what do the Steelers need to do on defense to absolutely win this game?
0: you got to get to Joe Burrow. You know, I mean, for the, the first two weeks – Teams were able to get to, to him. Uh, he he stood in there and did a great job the first week. Uh, that's largely because he and, and his rookie receiver Jamar Chase were you know on the same page, and Chase had over 100 yards receiving that first week. Um, he got shut down last week. He got shut down largely by Chicago's zone. I don't I don't think he's yet you know developed enough yet as a as a pro to really understand how to recognize coverages when I watched some of that game on the you know the condensed game on NFL game pass it looked like Chase and and um, Burrow were struggling to get on the same page at times many you know in some ways the same way that Roethlisberger and and Deontay Johnson seemed to struggle to get on the same page a lot of that has to do with coverage recognition the QB thinking that the receiver should make one check and the receiver you know thinking that uh, he should make another Uh, I think Chase actually does a little bit better against straight man coverage right now because it's just sort of, you know, my athletic ability against yours. And uh, so I think the Steelers will throw a bunch of different looks, uh, coverage disguises, things like that to try to confuse both Burrow and uh, Cincinnati's young receivers.
1: All right. With that being said, it's prediction time and we were both wrong last week. We were both wrong the week before. So is this the week that we are both right? And I'm going to go first, Kevin. I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, Steelers do get some offensive output. They get some touchdowns from Najee Harris. And you mentioned that they need to get the tight end involved in the game. And I think Pat Frymouth is going to uh, get in the end zone as well. So I'm really excited for this week. I'm going to say that they do give up some points still, but I'm going to give the Steelers the victory, 33 to 26, my friend.
0: Okay. Well, so I'm going to operate uh, optimistically on the uh, "a broken clock is right twice a day" philosophy. That you know, one of us is going to hit on this, Brian. So um, I'm going to go more low scoring. I, I think I think the Steelers are going to win. I think it's just going to be one of those ugly Steelers Bengals games. You know, like it'll be chippy. It'll be a grinded out affair. Um, I just, you know, I just feel like right now, both defenses are a little bit ahead of both offenses. So I'm going to go 20 to 16 Steelers in a game where as a fan, you were probably like not really enjoying this game so much because it's going to be close throughout. We're going to feel like the Steelers should be ahead by more, but in the end, it'll be a good Sunday because they'll get the W. Well,
1: that's all we could hope for. We need to have a good Sunday. So I am definitely looking forward to it. So Kevin, thanks so much. Good luck this weekend. I know that. Uh, well, you said it was going to be a tough game last weekend, and you won thirty-four to six. So <laughs> let's just say that uh, you spoiled a homecoming last week. Are you home or away this week?
0: Well, it's our own home- homecoming this week, so you know we're gonna we're gonna hope it's a good night for uh, for everybody.
1: All right. And I tell you what, I've got my own son who is now in ninth grade and he's thinking homecoming and he's actually going to ask somebody out tomorrow night at the football game. So I don't know. He won't tell me her name, but I'm pretty excited. Um, he showed me a picture, but he he thinks I'm going to embarrass him. I'm like, hey, I can give you lots of advice. So, yeah, I teach
0: him all your dance moves. I'm sure you got some good dance moves. Yeah,
1: I, I, t- I said, hey, he goes, dad, you've been married twice. And I'm like, well, that should tell you something. And He's like, no, I'm not taking advice. So. (laughs) anyways with that being said i guess the only advice i'm going to be able to give is when i get to come to the ocean city locker room so we're going to have to book that soon
0: yes sir you're welcome anytime
1: all right so there's three things that we need you to do here and it's very important because btsc we absolutely love you we love the fact that you follow us on whether we're on youtube or on any of your favorite podcast platforms where you download That show that you absolutely love. I hope it's one from BTSC because we're here to serve you. We have 25 original shows every single week. And we love the fact that you get a chance to chime in as well. So the one thing you have to do is this. Be safe. We need you around. Number two, be true to yourself. Because you, what you do, you don't change. Go with it because that's why people like you and number three always be behind the steel curtain for coach kevin smith my name is brian anthony davis and we will see you next week it's game time here we go the steelers pregame show